engineered, driven, created. You are listening to the Be Velocity podcast, and this is episode one. I'm Deborah, and I'm Sophie, your hosts, and we will be speaking to our guest, Charlotte Phelps, who is a power unit strategy engineer for Mercedes AMG Patronus F1 team. We will be talking about some of her varied job roles, her hobbies, and, and her impressive qualifications she's obtained to get to where she is now, not to mention a bit of fun stuff as well. Also, and how she's been keeping productive whilst we continue to deal with this pandemic and, of course, talk all things motorsport. So hello, Charlotte, and welcome to the first ever Be Velocity podcast. I'm honoured to be on the first one. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big deal. (laughs) So we're not going to, you know, we're not going to make it easy for you. We're going to cut straight to the chase. Um, obviously a massive congratulations to the team and of course Lewis for uh, making history this year with seven consecutive world championship titles plus a night for Hood so how does it make you feel to be a part of that? Um, it's, I mean it's it's an honour really isn't it it's it's cool it's um, I guess it's one of those things that on a day-to-day basis you don't really think about we just kind of go race to race and day to day and then yeah, you get to the end of the year and it's like, oh, we've we've actually done something pretty cool. And then it's like, right, on to the next one. We don't really dwell on it too much. Yeah, you know, we time to. yeah, we haven't got time to think about it really. <laughs> Just on to the next one all the time. Wow, it, it was pretty amazing to watch, that's for sure. Um, how do you feel about Australia being postponed after it was obviously cancelled last year due to COVID and COVID's still around? Um is it strange that it's starting in Bahrain this year? Um, I mean, from from our perspective, it's it's annoying because we have to sort of plan, especially as a strategy engineer, we plan our season strategy. Um, so when that season keeps changing, it makes it quite difficult to do that. Um, but, you know, we just have to go with, with what we get and we're lucky to be racing at all at this point. So, yeah, we just kind of have to go with it and see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, that's completely fair enough. It's fast-paced anyway, isn't it? So everything changes. It's been a strange year. Um, Obviously, Black Lives Matter was a big issue that Mercedes pushed this year, and rightly so, um, as motorsport is definitely not there yet in terms of diversity. Um, What's your opinion on that? Um, Yeah, I think diversity is something that definitely, um, when you look at any motorsport paddock, it's very sort of white male. And I think it's something that, I think all the teams are really sort of trying to make an effort, but it's it's going to take time. 
and you know it's going to take for everybody to sort of work together not only in f1 but in motorsport in general to um to really encourage people from all different backgrounds to um feel welcome in the sport yeah definitely um have you ever experienced any negativity from being a female um that's actively involved in motorsport um, I wouldn't say negativity so much as, you know, I've never had anyone say you shouldn't be here, but there's always that sort of, um, I suppose, unconscious bias of sort of, um, like I get a lot of emails addressed to gents and that kind of thing, just of they're so used to working all men that it's, you know, you just kind of have to go with it and, you know, they get used to it. They get used to you being there and you, you get on with it. Once you've proved that you can do the work, then... It doesn't really make any difference. It's just, yeah, it's more about being seen to be there, I think, and showing other girls that that, that opportunity exists so that then there's more people and it becomes less of an issue. I was going to say, yeah. from my um, personal experience, I'd definitely say there's a lot more females than people realise. Um, would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the two um, Mercedes cars... The two power unit engineers that go to track with them are both girls. So there are a lot more girls around than people realise. They're just, mm. um, you know, there's there's 1,500 of us across the two Mercedes factories. So there's a lot of people. So as a percentage, it's small, but there's still quite a lot of girls floating around. You just don't see it all. Yeah. I mean, are you, are, are you sort of of the opinion that if you're good enough, then you'll be there. Do you, do you think that is like a culture that's about that if you're good enough, you're there and there's not a, um, there's not anything excluding women. It's just, if they can break through that entry point, if they can get interested in it early enough. Yeah, I think it's, um, especially F1 is very intense and it's very um, competitive. So um it's it's silly but it's one of those things where you always sort of say well how many people named Steve are there in F1 it's the same thing it's just how many people are you coming are coming in in that sort of zone that you've marked and as a percentage how many of those people get through and if there are no girls coming into the recruitment process you're less likely to get them you know into the company so it's all about encouraging girls at a young age to say well you know these jobs are there and like you say, if you're good enough and you've got the grades and you've got the interest and you've got the enthusiasm, there's absolutely nothing to stop you being there. It's just getting them in in the first place. Yeah, yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. I mean, sorry to go off on a tangent, Deb, but... Go on. <laughs> I, um, I actually came into motorsport pretty late. I mean, I've only been really going at it for probably the last year or two years because um, it wasn't something I realised that I loved until then. So I knew I was kind of into cars in the background. I knew I was good at English and stuff, but it didn't all come together until a certain point. I was like, hold on a minute. And then it's been just, you know, right, what can I do to make this happen? So yeah. I think There's nothing to stop you from. There's, there's no age limit on it. There's nothing to say that you have to go in, you have to start in F1 at 22 or you're never going to be there. You can change career completely and come in at 50. There's nothing to say you can't do that. It's just um, making, you know, showing that that path is there, I think. Is yeah, the... it helps, helps, doesn't it? Definitely. And also, 
when you're younger you you don't often see like you say you don't if you if you haven't got someone in the family who's sort of teaching you things like I didn't my family weren't motorsport involved they weren't automotive orientated so then it was never really in my scope that's come to that realization where communities like the the girls on track initiative and um um the british women's race and drivers club and all these initiatives that are there to sort of show that it's it's a thing and it's possible um they they are there to help people if they don't have that access from a family member you can go and talk to somebody else and it's you know it's easily available to people now to just get in touch with someone else I must admit, yeah, it is, um, it's very network based. It's like we could share a post or a story on like the main B Velocity page and that's going to draw interest and then scope out for people to go down those avenues. And I think that's what our page is about, making people aware, showing everyone that, you know, you can do it. Like you said, age is irrelevant. The opportunities are there work hard get your head down and just go for it yeah it's about um yeah it's it's hard work though oh yeah you know whether it's to get your qualifications or it's to form that network Mm. you have to put the effort in and I think a lot of people think um you know when you see stuff on Instagram it looks really easy Mm. they forget all the hard work that goes on in the background to you know all the the rejections and the no's that people get before they get that yes you have to go through that, whatever, yeah. mm-hmm. whatever career you're in, you have to go through that. Yeah, definitely. Well, we should probably ask another question now instead of chin wagging. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's go on to another question. So, when you're not being a power unit strategy engineer, do you get in- involved with any other championships? Um, yes, I have been lucky enough um sort of the end of 2020 to be doing a bit of British GT which has been really exciting with Barwell so we we won the championship there so I I call myself a lucky charm now you know I'm a because yeah. um, <laughs> I'm one of those people that's never actually lost a championship that I've competed when I've been working which is amazing to be able to say <laughs> um but yeah that's been really cool to get trackside and see a, a whole different world something completely sort of the opposite end of the spectrum from F1. I was going to say, um, what would you say are the main differences between F1 and British GT? Um, So the one thing I always say about F1 to anyone who asks is, um, for me, F1 isn't really racing. Mm -hmm. It's high-level engineering that results in a race car. Whereas, um, because like a lot of what I do is, developing tooling and writing code and not really anything to do with running the car whereas yeah. when you go to British GT or touring cars it's mm. all about um being on the track and it's all about the race weekends and it's much more race focused mm-hmm. um, and it's much less sort of about the development side and it's much more working with the drivers and and that side of things now this is something I'm actually interested in myself and obviously with the company I I work for in my own life um so I noticed over um last year you did like a refresher training um because I'm aware 
um, you've done some motorsport data engineering? Yeah, so, so data engineering is what I've been doing with Barwell. Yeah. Um, but sort of the next step up from that in, in, well, I suppose the aim of any motorsport engineer really is to be a race engineer and to run that car and be responsible for running that car. Yeah. Um, and the Motorsport Industry Association run some really great courses um, and they were able to run them last year, which is miraculous, mm. um, called the School of Race Engineering. And yeah. you go and you learn from people who work in the industry about vehicle dynamics and race strategy and tyres and you get to go and use the simulator and um, work with the driver to set up the simulator and um, and it's a great way to learn sort of what it's actually like yeah. to be at the track mm -hmm. because it's something that you don't often get exposure to. Even in my job, I don't get that exposure very much. Um, so yeah, it was great to go and spend four, well, it was two weekends, four days mm -hmm. doing that. And they've also been running some online modules. So they've run like a day on race strategy and a day on tires and a day on vehicle dynamics online. Um, and they are absolutely brilliant. You learn so much, but they also look great on your CV yeah. if you're applying for jobs. Yeah. Because, um, you know, not that you're not impressive enough or anything. Well, but, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. I mean, for me, I have a degree in electronics. So to go and try and do race engineering with an electronics degree is quite difficult because it's quite a sidestep. Um, so it's great to sort of show that um, that passion and that initiative because so many people do the same things now and sort of expect that to get them to where they need to be and because there are so many people the same you have to sort of have an extra something and those courses are just a really great way to do that. I, I was actually going to say but you might might have already answered this so your existing qualifications how how's that helped you in for example working doing something different so like British GT compared to like your normal day job? Um, so my degree is actually electronic engineering with music technology. Mm -hmm. um, not motorsport related in any way. Um, and I specialised in acoustics, which then sort of led me into engine acoustics, which then sort of led me into um, Mercedes. And I sort of came at it a really roundabout way. Um, but actually it's given me a really unique way of looking at things. Mm -hmm. And um, and I did a lot of like data analysis as part of my degree. And actually that's basically what I do as part of my job. Mm -hmm. But because as a hobby, I did motorsport anyway. Yeah. That sort of gave the both sides of it that I needed, but I wouldn't recommend my degree as a way into motorsport. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's not a, a direct route. So, you guys are just blowing my head right. You're just blowing my mind right now, you two. You're so techie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say, this kind of leads into my next question. How and when did you get involved with motorsport? Is it something that runs in your family or did it just naturally happen? Um, so my, my parents are both Welsh and my dad grew up rallying as you do in Wales yeah. um and then he sort of took a, took a break when um you know when he got married and and started having children and stuff um but he's always taken us to to car shows and that kind of thing my mum was very much 
um, if you're taking one, you're taking the other. And I've got an older yeah. brother. So <laughs> he, he took both of us, you know, everywhere we went, we both went. Um, and my brother is very car focused. Like it's all he talks about, it's all he thinks about. Uh, he learned to read on car magazines, he's obsessed. Um, so there was never really any alternative with him. And then when he was 13, he wanted to build a car. So they started building a car. Um, I was about nine at that point. Um, and we started building race cars. And then when he turned 17, they started racing. And I just sort of followed in the footsteps. Didn't really have a choice. Kind of just went with it. And yeah. And Never then I discovered back. that. Actually, yeah, it was, it became, you know, it became a love. And it's, it's something that we share as a family that's really special to us. Um, so yeah, it became much more of a love than I ever expected it to, really. Oh, that's now, quite nice. Lovely. The only time we ever spend time together and the only thing we ever talk about was when we're racing. But, you know, it gives us something to do together. So it's great. Yeah. Now, am I right in thinking your brother's got some involvement with the, the darker rally, which started on the 3rd of January? So he works for ProDrive, who are um, this year they're running the Bahrain, um, the Bahrain Hunter, I think it's called. I should know that, shouldn't I? It's really bad. Um, (laughs) Beautiful red, beautiful red car. Um, Sebastian Loeb was driving for them. And my brother's actually out in Saudi at the moment, sleeping in a tent, probably hating life because he hates the desert and traveling and sleeping in a tent. Um, But yeah. It's one of those things you're not going to say no to. And he's one of the um, the lead engineers on that project. So he's designed that car, which is really cool. I was going to say, I bet that makes you quite proud, actually. I'm really jealous. He gets to do all the cool stuff. And <laughs> I sit at home and he's like off in the desert and he was out in Dubai testing the end of last year. Um, yeah, but it's really cool to see. Like he pops up on the telly occasionally and we're like oh there's his knee or you know it's pretty cool oh such a shame that you can't get on the you know in the paddock on the grid in the same way really yeah when you're such a big part of it yeah I mean with um so when I went to Silverstone with Barwell last year because they can't take grid girls and stuff um I actually was the the grid marker for pole position when we were on pole. So that was quite cool to be able to go and stand on the grid at Silverstone. I was only there for about like three minutes or something. Not not a lot, but it was it was cool to be able to do. We yeah. won't tell anyone, it's fine. <laughs> you were there for the whole race, you know, yeah. you were yeah. you were flagging people down. <laughs> so aside from motorsport, do you have any other hobbies or interests that we should know about, Charlotte? um I'd love to say yeah I do loads of really cool stuff and but no really to be honest motorsport is my life at the moment um I'm either working or I'm racing myself um I suppose the only thing that I do have that isn't motorsport is uh music obviously I did a music technology degree um so it's always been something that's a big part of my life um and that's sort of how I sort of turn off I guess from motorsport and you know go for a run and put some great music on or sit at the piano for a bit or it's just a really good way to switch off I think you have to have something to be able to switch off 
I was going to yeah. say. Always seeing the um, headphones on the grid and Ricardo's always sharing his favourite songs. And, yeah. you know, you've got to have an anthem as well, probably. Yeah. Always. <laughs> How do you fit in your normal job? Oh, sorry, Deb. I your was normal job. Say, was- um, you're going to like one of our questions because it's music related. Oh dear. Yes. Yes, I'll it is. You, yeah, I'll let you carry on, Sophie. Sorry, I just wanted to get no, that I in there. <laughs> I was just wondering, you know, this isn't in the questions. I'm just being nosy. How do you fit in your, you know, your normal job with your racing? Is it, I mean, you must be busy 24-7. Yeah, I'm not really at home ever. Um I sit down in about January time and I plan out my calendars. I've usually got an Excel spreadsheet that says like F1 calendar, um, my race calendar for different championships. And then if I want to do British GT or something else, I'll have that in. And I go through the Excel spreadsheet and I'm like, okay, well, I've got to do this many weekends with work. And, you know, I want to do this many weekends for my championship. And then, and I've got an Excel spreadsheet and I plan it all out. And then I put my holiday in really early. (laughs) And, uh, yeah my team like my team leaders are usually really good about it and the management of saying well you know you're using your holiday for something productive you're doing what we need you to do so you know we'll make it work as long as you've got a good team around you, you can you can manage it it's just yeah I'm not very good at sitting still so I tend to be a bit <laughs> <good at that. laughs> that, that's really nice because I think I remember having like a little chat with a mentor once and she said to me just be prepared if you're going into motorsport as a female, you are going to get tested. You know, they're going to expect you to know things. And when you don't, you're going to have to prove that you can learn it real quick. And also just be prepared that if your brother's that's getting married. That's anyone, anyone who goes well, to we- F1, you go into F1, someone will ask you a question. And if you say, I don't know, if they ask you the same question the next day, you have to have an answer or they will like, because you need to know stuff. You need to be able to answer questions quickly. So it's not just as a girl, it's it's anyone. It's not gender specific. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> but she she also said to me, you know, if your brother's getting married next next month or ne- in six months, don't don't expect to be able to tell him whether you can come or not because you know you don't know what race weekends you're running and it's you haven't really got much of a social life. So I never forgot that. Um, I think it's it's about planning. If you can if you can plan properly and you can prioritize properly then you'll be able to have a social life it just depends on what your priorities are and I think especially um you know in F1 we're quite lucky because um our calendar is very set and those are the weekends we work um unless there's a disaster but you know these things crop up occasionally but I think when you're a freelance and you're doing a bit of GTs and a bit of touring cars and a bit of maybe Le Mans and a bit of this and a bit of that you have to be much more um sort of willing to turn down a weekend's work if you want to have a family commitment or you know the other way around if you want to do all the weekends working you have to sort of you have to prioritize and and that's just how it is really yeah yeah no that's fair you just have to plan everything really carefully (laughs) that's fair enough sounds like me so we're okay (laughs) hopefully yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and we also happen to know that you have a youtube channel um so can you please tell us more about that um so i only really started it 
um, during lockdown, really, I was a bit bored and I was going through all my, because we've always got a GoPro on our car um, when I'm hill climbing or sprinting. Um, and I was going through a load of my onboards and I often get questions of people saying, you know, well, what, what is hill climbing? It's not, it's not a very well-known um, sport. Um, so I thought, you know, why not put all my videos up on YouTube and then people can go and go and see. And, you know, they're not necessarily the fastest or the best lines. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever say like they're the, the things to, to use to learn the hills or anything. Yeah. Um, but, you know, hill climbing is quite a unique, a unique sport. And uh, yeah, I just thought, why not, why not show people what it's about? No. Of your videos, some, I think there's some crashes coming up soon. I've been looking through some, some others, and I found found one of when I ran into a tire wall. So I think I'm going to put that that's up the, soon. That's the best type of content, to be honest. Yeah. Top top ten crashes. People love a crash, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> as long as everyone's okay. Yeah. Fortunately, I I didn't damage myself. I just damaged um the car that time. But yeah, yeah. That's. Well, I don't know what's worse, Charlotte. I don't know what's worse. Well, it was, I mean, it wasn't great because I came back, um, it was at the top of the hill and I came back down the hill without the car. I got back to the paddock and everyone was like, what was wrong with it? What, what's happened? What's wrong with the car? And I was like, I don't know. I just had to like leave it there on a flatbed. And we had to wait like half an hour for it to come back down. It was, it was awful. It was a very stressful half an hour. Yeah. Oh no. Well, I think we are kind of coming to the end now we've we've um taken a lot of your time considering you don't have any time <laughs> it's all right i'll chat about motorsport all day um i'll keep talking forever but that's the problem isn't it? yeah <laughs> <laughs> before we actually go though for a bit of fun we're asking okay. every guest um what their favorite song is when they're listening when they're driving um and then we're going to create a playlist on spotify which everyone can access and listen to so my question to you is describe your driving adventure with your westfield and what song you'd be playing um well, my Westfield's not not road legal, so I wouldn't ever go on an adventure in my Westfield. Um, also, because it's the most uncomfortable thing ever. Right. In that case, <laughs> name a car and then give me a song. Um, well, I guess the one like the one song that we always have on when we go on our like family trip in the camper to whatever race we're going to is always Bohemian Rhapsody. Always, me and my dad will sing the whole thing, and there's a bit in the middle where like the head banging comes out and that's that's our like our family anthem I guess but yeah yeah that's the bit <laughs> I know the bit my granddad used to play that yeah so loud and my grandma would be like turn it down Alec and she'd go and shut up put it down yeah me and my dad are always dancing away to that one in the camper so I think that would probably be my tune that is definitely that. going on the playlist, definitely. 100%. Okay. Well, that's it then. Um, we can't honestly thank you enough for giving us your time tonight. We've really, really enjoyed it. It's been lovely to chat to you and we hope you've enjoyed it too. I have. I've loved it. 
I'm always happy to chat about racing, always. Oh, I'll be DMing you now. You, yeah. you won't get rid of me now at right. all. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. I, obviously, I'd like to personally thank you for all the support, the support you've given the page. Obviously, with Feats, you do quite a lot. And I'm honoured, absolutely honoured. <laughs> and now we've met you not in yeah. person but yeah, virtually meeting yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on that note what a great first show I think that went pretty well and it was great to speak to Charlotte about her experiences in motorsport questions let us know and hopefully sometime in the future we won't bug her too often um, she can come back on the show I'll be every week I'll be here <laughs> So thank you very much for coming on again and we'll be interacting with you soon. Yeah. Thanks, Charlotte. That's all right. Bye. Bye. Enjoy your gin. <laughs> if you want to show some love for our podcast by leaving us a review, liking and subscribing, feel free to do that. Thanks for listening to the Be Velocity podcast and stay tuned for next week's episode. If you'd like to get involved in building our global community, then please drop us a DM. And I'm going to say goodbye for now. Bye. Bye, Sife. Bye, Dev. Engineered. Driven. Created. By females. Velocity. 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 Velocity.